Uh, welcome to the Evan Roberts Podcast, the Brooklyn Nets Roundtable Season Preview, which feels very, very different than one year ago. And I've brought back the exact same guys, Mike Biseglia, producer of Moose and the Taz. Taz and the Moose. Okay. Yep. Billy G, who puts together all those wonderful, highly acclaimed CBS Sports Minutes. We love those CBS Sports Minutes, and uh-huh. Billy puts it together. But That's more, why they pay me the big bucks. Of course. But more importantly, these two guys are very big Brooklyn Nets fans. And it feels like five minutes ago we were sitting here. Yeah. We were sitting here a year ago talking about what our expectations were for the Nets. And I think we were all like kind of in the low 30s, the mid 30s, you know, something like that. It's cute. They're building. It's a slow build. We barely mentioned any superstar free agent. And they went out. They won 42 games. They made the playoffs. They lost very disappointingly in the first round. I think we'd all admit that. And here we are a year later feeling very, very different about things. So here's my first question, Biseglia. Has it sunk in? It is still weird, and I'm watching, like, Nets Magazine on the Yes Network, and I can understand Kyrie Irving in Nets gear. I can see him in the Brooklyn Nets garb. When I see Kevin Durant walking around with a with a Nets jersey on, that freaked me out. That was very <laughs> yeah. that was strange to see. It almost looked like it was photoshopped or something. So like, that still hasn't like it, sunk in. That hasn't sunk. The Kevin Durant thing is still weird for me. When I see him walking around and he's being interviewed by Michael Grady, I'm like, Michael Grady is interviewing <laughs> Kevin Durant. Shouldn't he be interviewing Spencer Dinwiddie and about his shoes and stuff? I don't know. It was all weird to me. But uh, so has it sunk in yet? No. But I think as we start to watch games and I see them on the court and you know they're four and five and I'm getting upset, yeah. then the realization yeah. of this is my squad will 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 sit in. You know, me. my my dad and I will always make this joke that when I was I guess I was 15 at the time when the Mets traded for Mike Piazza, I ran home from playing basketball. I was playing basketball that day. Ran home because I heard Mike and the Mad Dog announce it. And I, I was screaming, I can't believe we got Piazza. I can't believe we got Piazza. And the difference between that, which was a, a seminal moment as a sports fan. I mean, Mike Piazza is an elite player. He's an all-star catcher. I can't believe he's a Met. Was that 48 hours later, he's in a Met uniform playing. Right, right. You know, because the trade happens in May. So I'm kind of with you in that a lot of this hasn't sunk in, which is normal for any offseason move. Pedro Martinez as a Met didn't sink in for a while. You know, you have to see the games actually occur. Has it sunk in for you yet, Billy? My, I mean, to, to answer the question, no, it absolutely has not. And there was, a, there was a Photoshop on Twitter the other day of KD and Kyrie in the old Nets uniforms. <laughs> yes, I saw that. And <laughs> that, to me, just is mind-boggling. Just seeing that that these guys are actually on our team, I to me it really hasn't sunk in yet because I didn't even think that this was a remote possibility, right? Even to get Kyrie, yeah. So now we're sitting here previewing a season where we have both these guys on the roster, and I'm just I'm I'm still blown now, away. Now I it. want you to be very honest about this because I think it's okay to be a hypocrite in sports. You know, Joe has admitted it on the air sometimes. You know, we were talking uh, last week about Don Shula not putting the tarp on the field before the title game. And I even said to Joe, you're so cool with other things that are sort of cheating. Why does this bother you? And he was playing, like, you know what? Because it affected the Jets. And so I think as sports fans, we, we tend to be hypocritical. None of us liked Kyrie Irving. Okay, let's just be fair about it. We didn't like him. We didn't like anything about him. We didn't like the fact that he thought or we appeared to think that the earth is flat. It's not. We didn't. Oh, is it not? We didn't like mm-hmm. his leadership style in Boston. Even more than that, one of my big criticisms of Kyrie, besides you know not being healthy a lot, was, hey, what does he want as the guy? 
That was one of my big criticisms of him. I would always say, hey, Kemba Walker's made the playoffs as the guy. Has Kyrie Irving done anything as the guy? Last year with the Celtics was really the only time he ever had great success because even the year before he was out and missed the entire playoff run. Have you started to accept Kyrie and even like Kyrie Irving? Are you there yet? Yes and yes. I think once you put on the jersey, you have to, I guess without like, if John Rocker came to the Mets, I guess that would be a different one. But once right. the guy comes to your team, you have to embrace him. You have to love him. And we'll see what happens during the season. I mean, if he's a stink fest and the team has turmoil internally and things go poorly, then we can start to criticize Kyrie and we can take that angle. But as far as he's on the Nets now, I don't care what happened in Boston. I hope everything improves in Brooklyn. And that's all I care about. You know, I'm watching these team practices and I'm seeing Kyrie Irving fist pound Karis LeVert. I'm like, okay, good. Looks like they're friends. <laughs> I like each other. I like right. each other. And I'm so, the, the older I've gotten, now I'm starting to realize how important team chemistry is. So I'm getting really sensitive about that. Sure. So I saw stuff like that and that made me happy. But I'm embracing Kyrie. He is an ultra super talented basketball player. I mean, he's a top 13, whatever it is, player in the entire world. Right. So you have him focused and happy with the Nets, with good camaraderie, who knows what the hell can happen. So, yes, I am 100% behind Kyrie. Now, but, now Billy, I want to give some background. Most of the time leading to the offseason, Billy was afraid of losing D'Angelo Russell. And I think we uh, all true. were to certain extents, but you took it much more personal. And have you gotten over that? Because Kyrie Irving is replacing your guy, D'Angelo so Russell. Here's, all right. So back to what all these rumors started. I All right. I've said on this podcast, I said to you and Mike off the air, I love D'Angelo Russell, and I wish him nothing but the best in Golden State. And I really didn't want to lose him. That's the whole – That's and but to be fair, I didn't think that any of this was possible. I didn't think we were getting Kevin Durant. I didn't think you – know, you know what I mean? And and we've said before, we could all agree that Kyrie Irving is the better player. Yeah. We could all agree on that, sure. right? Yeah. Right? So to answer your question, Evan, I – I'm all in now on Kyrie Irving. Well, you don't have a choice at also. No. <laughs> we don't have a choice. No, we don't We don't have a choice. But, I mean, I'm just – to answer both of your questions, just like Mike, right. yes and yes. Yeah. He's on the nets. He's locked into the to the four-year deal. I'm, I'm all in. You know what's funny about this? And this works both ways. And I'll give a Yankee example. Giancarlo Stanton. No Yankee fan wants to hear about what Stanton did in Miami. No one wants to hear that he won the MVP there because the – the answer is, it's all about what you do here. And that works both ways. So with Kyrie Irving as a talent, you say, hey, you've done nothing here. But even with the bad, you have to say that. You have to say, yeah, he screwed up the Celtic locker room. He had a lot to do with the issues in Boston. Not all of it. Okay, well, we're going to find out how right. much of it was him. But that's for them to figure out. But the truth is, that wasn't here. So as much as we're going to say, it doesn't matter what you did in Cleveland. It doesn't matter that you hit a shot to win the NBA Finals. It also doesn't matter that you may have been a dick in the Celtic locker room. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just no, being I, fair about it. I, I totally it's understand. It's what you're going to do here. But there is a – maybe it's a, a New York Knicks perception. It's a national perception that Kyrie Irving is going to be the same exact person that he was in Boston. Okay. He's in Brooklyn. There's, like, almost an assumption that he'll be the exact same person. And right. Jackie McMullen did, like, this amazing article about Kyrie Irving in Boston. And to put all the blame on him, look at this now. I've become, like, the biggest supporter. I've totally turned it. We're hypocrites. Him. But <laughs> but if if you look in that Celtic locker room, you can't you can't tell me that Jason Tatum wasn't upset yeah. that he wasn't getting the yeah, ball but, more. But, but, it, it, it's deeper than just Kyrie. Here's That's what, the point. Here's what Kyrie Irving did. And I'm a sucker for this. I admit. I think a lot of other people are not. I am. I'm a sucker for a good I'm sorry. Like, if you did something to piss me off, 
If you came to me, looked me straight in the eye, and said, Evan, I'm sorry, I'm probably going to forgive you within two and a half seconds, unless it's something unforgivable. Of course. When Kyrie sat there, and I know he was made fun of, probably by Nick. Look, Nick fans are in a they're in a bad place right now. They're upset about what happened, and now they're going to hate on the Nets, and that's fine. That's a part of a rivalry. I have no issue with that. That's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good. Th- oh, absolutely. We hate on the Knicks. I mean, so yeah, it's, it's only fair. Yeah. And in the past, we've hated on the Knicks with no response. Now there's a response. Yeah, it's fun. But when Kyrie said, "Hey, I failed as a leader in Boston," yeah. and he explained why the death of his, I think it was his grandmother or grandfather. I believe it was his grandfather. Grandfather. Yeah. I didn't handle it well. You know what? I'm a sucker for a good. I screwed up. But here's the deal for Kyrie Irving, and ask Darren Williams about it. You're going to be judged about what you do here. And if things don't go well here, you know I'm going to turn on you, and I know you guys are going to turn on him. But, yeah, when you come to a new place, you get that fresh slate. The biggest concern I have about Kyrie Irving is not even the leadership because I'm taking the leap of faith that he chose to come here. He wasn't traded here. He chose to come here. He's got friends around him. And I'm not just talking about Kevin Durant and DeAndre. It seems like him and Karras have a good relationship, and even Spencer Dinwiddie, they've become friends. My biggest concern is can he stay on the floor and can he be on the floor when it matters? Because that's been one of the biggest issues with Kyrie throughout his career. I think I think that right there, I think that should be not only our biggest concern, but all Nets fans' biggest concern. I'm not I'm not worried about him in the locker room. Because just to just to throw one more point about uh, Mike Celtic point, mm-hmm. one of the nice guys in the NBA we know is Al Horford. And where's Al Horford playing? He right left, now? yeah. He left. Yeah. He's mm, playing in Philadelphia. Point. So you can't blame the whole Boston situation on Kyrie. But yeah, you're right, Evan. I th- I I really do think that the key is him staying healthy. I'll be interesting interested to see how the Nets uh, limit and monitor his minutes and what their game plan will be with him. Obviously, with health, there's something. There's things that can happen that we that the team can't control. He gets hurt. He's going up for rebound and whatever. But how they uh, maximize his time on the court because you know I mean the Nets were doing this when they sucked with they had Brooke Lopez and they were yes. they were like you know forty games under <laughs> right. five hundred and they were they were managing they him. were managing him so what they do with Kyrie will be fascinating. Well, I'll tell I'll give you an interesting factoid about Kyrie Irving and the point you brought up. There are two things when you talk about Kyrie Irving: the minutes he's going to play per game and how many games he plays. The last two years he's missed time. Now, some of the time he's missed has been by choice. Some of it has been maintenance days, back-to-backs. But as far as the minutes are concerned, who do you think and what do you think the minute total was of the minutes leader per game by a Brooklyn Net last year? Play a little game. Who do you think um, led the team in minutes? Ooh, it, was, good question. it was actually a tie between two guys. There were two guys who finished with the same amount of minutes per game total. Who do you think those two guys were? Hmm. You want me to just tell you? Uh, I, well, my initial guess would be uh, Russell. Okay. And who he tied with? Yeah. I'll throw it out there and say Dinwiddie. No, it was Joe Harris and D'Angelo Russell. Dinwiddie mm-hmm. was third. Yeah, Joe third. makes sense. Now, those two guys are the only guys on the team who averaged over 30 minutes per game. Crazy. And the number was 30.2. Okay? Yes, crazy. 30.2. Now. Here's the follow-up. Yes. Kyrie Irving last year, in a year in which he missed time, averaged 33 minutes a game. In fact, there has been no season in his career where he's averaged less minutes per game than the guy that led the Nets in minutes per game last year. Does all that make sense, by the way? It does. I just said? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm kind of confused. Okay. <laughs> what are you confused about? And I'll try to explain, because I think this is a really interesting point to think maybe, about. Maybe, I, I think there's actually probably a lot of people who are confused. Maybe just Good. run it by me one more time. Okay. 
The guys who led the Nets in minutes per game last year were Joe Harris and D'Angelo Russell playing a shade over 30 minutes per game. Got it. Kyrie Irving has never played that few minutes per game in his NBA career. Oh, I see what you're saying. Last year, he averaged 33 minutes per game. The year before, 32.2. The year before that is last year in Cleveland, Mm 35.1. He had a year in Cleveland where he averaged 36.4, 35.2. That's a good five minutes per game more than the leaders of the Nets last year. Here's the point. His minutes per game, it's going to go down because of the Nets strategy that they have. He's not playing 35 minutes per game. It's not happening. No, it's going to be between 30 and 33, whatever that ends up being. It'll be somewhere around there. It's going to be lower. Under 30? I think it's going to be right around 30. I do. Because I think they realize they have to manage him. Because I don't think they want him to miss 30 games necessarily. And I'm not saying he's going to miss 30 games. Just to give you a clarification, last year he played 67. So do the math. He missed 15 games. Okay, that's what he missed. The year before that, a little bit different. He had the knee surgery. He missed 22 games. I think that they're going to manage him. So if you think about it and you sort of balance like an NBA game, so if he's playing 30 minutes a game, that means 18 minutes he's not on the court, okay? Yeah, yeah. So that's nine minutes per half. So that basically means he's coming out at like the seven-minute mark and then coming back in at the 10-minute mark of the first and second quarter, third and fourth quarter. And don't you think the Nets are built to be okay when he's not on the floor? Yes. They've got Spencer Dinwiddie. They've got Karis LaVert could run the point. I think Theo Pinson's going to have a bigger role this year. So, and I think this is going to be fascinating to watch. A, how many times they sit him, unless he, you know, legitimately gets hurt. How many times they willingly sit him and where that minute number is. My prediction is, you said between 30 and 32 and 35. 30 and 33. Yeah, I think he's going to play 30 minutes. I think that number that Harris and Russell hit so, last year will be his number. So you basically believe it'll be the same rotation that they had with a, a healthy Karis Levert. Correct. Of Levert, Dinwiddie, and Kyrie just replace the player. But the minutes situation will be identical. Well, the one thing that will be different, and I have to point this out, is I don't think Kenny's going to bench Kyrie the way he benched D'Angelo early in the season. No, that no, is no. not going to happen. Oh, no, no, and no. if it does... That's a problem. But you know, but you know what, too? I I think that a minutes restriction, we could call it that, right? A, sure. A minutes restriction on yeah. Kyrie. I think that might cause a little bit of tension. Oh, I don't think so. You don't because think so Because I think that the Nets, led yeah. by Sean Marks, not as much Kenny Atkinson, have explained it. This is what we do. Yes. This is not, has nothing to do with it. This is what we do. And look, when the playoffs come around, because well, then that's got to go up. Well, of oh, course. Yeah. And look, Kyrie said last year to his Celtic teammates, it's all about the playoffs. It's all about the playoffs. He knows that. That's how you're judged as a star in the NBA. So I think in the playoffs, sure, I haven't even pulled up playoff minutes because that's irrelevant. I'm just talking about the 82 grind, 82 game grind of a regular season. I think at least at first, Kyrie's going to buy in. Yeah, I think yeah. if Kenny's benching him the way he did D'Angelo in the Rocket game, how's Kyrie going to respond to that? That's a That's a big question. I don't know how he'd respond to that. Probably not well. And the Nets' biggest strength is their communication. That's what they pride themselves on. Right. They're all talking to each other. There's no surprises. You know, you're, this is the minutes you're getting. Don't be surprised by it. So, Kyrie, you know the deal. But I will be curious because it's going to happen at some point where there's a fourth quarter where, let's say, for example, Spencer, the Nets are down 12. Like, they're, they're in Houston. Use, like, last year's example. Sure, sure. Dinwiddie gets hot. He leads the team back. Kyrie's, you know, they weren't playing great. He's obviously the better player. He stays on the bench in that circumstance. I do think there will be something like that that eventually does happen, and we'll see how he reacts to it.
how many games will he play? And I know that's a tough prediction to make because a lot of it is not just maintenance days that they decide to do with back-to-backs. It's, hey, can the guy stay healthy? But I think it's a very important question because in the NBA today, we saw it with Kawhi Leonard last year. They chose to not play him in a lot of games, and the Raptors were super successful when he didn't play. That is going to be the key to a question we'll eventually get to, which is, hey, how many wins are the Nets going to have? What's the goal of the season? Well, we're trying to get there. And the way to get there is to figure out, can this team win games without Kyrie? And how many times are they going to have to do it? Wow. That's a loaded question. I would say he'll play 62 games. Really? So he'll play three quarters of the season. Okay, so he'll miss 20 games. Yeah, he'll play three quarters of the season. What's their record in those 20 games? In the 20 games he's out, 11 and 9. Okay. And I think if if it's not just an injury in which he's missing time, I think they're going to strategize which games to miss, of obviously. Yeah. As you should. Of course. Because you're going to want to try to win games when he's not on the floor. Now, the first weekend of the year, I'm not going to say that they're going to bench him in Memphis on a Sunday night, but they could. And they that's could. a game you could win without Kyrie Irving on the floor. Correct. And the Nets have a lot of experience because the team they'll have on the floor without Kyrie Irving is a team we saw a lot of last of year. Of course, yeah. How many games? I'll say the number that jumps out to me, if he's, let's say, hypothetically fully healthy for all 82, air quotes. Yes. uh, The number that jumps out to me is 66. But I know it's going to be a lot lower than that because you know there's going to be some bumps and bruises along the way. So what's the number? Give me a number. 66. He's going to play 66 games. Yeah. So that means he's going to miss 18 games? 18. What's their record in those 18 games? 500. Nine and nine. Nine and nine. I think that's a very important question to not only kind of testing the depth of this basketball team, but seeing how they can get to that number of wins that I think is the goal for a lot of us. Now, one thing that concerns me about this team is that their four and five positions defensively last year left a lot to be desired, in which they would get beaten routinely by big men. In fact, I've joked about this. I believe the Nick offseason was all about exposing that by signing Julius Randle and Bobby Portis and guys like that. And no joke, we may see that when they play each other the second game of the year. Um, I like Torian Prince. He's 6'6". Yeah, him against Ennis Kanter is going to be a problem. Yeah, and I think the, <laughs> the, the key with DeAndre is going to be does he have that defensive motivation last year for whatever reason? Maybe yeah. it's because the team he was on, he was not the same guy defensively. How concerned are you about defending bigs? Very big. I mean, that is a major concern. Biggest bugaboo of the team, correct? Uh, defensively, yeah. I mean, having Torian Prince go up against those bigger forwards is an issue. We saw it all of last season, too, getting hurt on the defensive glass. Oh, it was just the worst. And it, like you said, which DeAndre Jordan are we going to see? Is he going to be the guy that comes in and cleans up rebounds, helps out defensively? That's a big part of this Nets offseason, a big part of this Nets season. And it's it's scary to think because then on the other the flip side, on the offensive side of things, you think of Prince spreading the floor. Obviously, we've seen him in the preseason. He's been excellent shooting three-pointers. Yes. It's been awesome yes. to watch. But defensively, on the glass, it's a scary thought. All I ever think about is just Ennis Canner, and it's like 22-18 and 18 against the Nets. <laughs> I know. Fan duel, lock it in, play him against the Nets every time. So, who yeah, should, it's a big concern. Who should be the starting four on this team? Who should be the stretch four on opening night? Because they haven't announced any starting lineup. And I know that Kenny has said he's going to alter Allen and Jordan at the five based on matchups. At least that's the interpretation I get. So we know Kyrie is starting. We know Joe Harris, Karis LeVert. We know either Allen or Jordan who's starting what, what, alongside What would you guys. think of putting Joe on the bench and having him come off the bench? And start who? And then start Rodion and and uh, And Torian? Yeah. I've, I've, al- I've always said that, uh, that it should be Torian. At the four? Yeah. Well... First of all, and I, and I know I asked the question, so I'm kind of ripping myself. The 
starting five is overrated. I admit that. Yeah. I'm asking the question more to see, and maybe I'll phrase it differently, who's getting the bulk of the minutes at the stretch for a position? Because who starts really doesn't matter. It's who finishes. Well, to just kind of jump that to a different level, like that's why for me, I'm thinking I don't care if DeAndre Jordan starts or Jared Allen starts, like whatever. Who is Kenny going to with six minutes left in a close game? DeAndre Jordan. You think it's going to be him yeah. every time? I don't um, know. I'm in I wouldn't say every time, but my gut is going to be most times. And the reason I say that is because I think that, at least early on, Jordan is motivated to prove that last year was a fluke. And we know what he can be defensively. We know how good he can be. He's a very, very solid player. I don't care how much money he's making. I don't care. I know his age. I'm not saying in year three he's going to be fantastic. And I don't want to stunt the development of Jared Allen, Mm. but the goal is to win. Right? The developing thing we've just sat through for three years. Now it's about winning. And I think until proven otherwise, DeAndre Jordan is going to give them a better chance to win. And and honestly, I, I really don't think in my heart of hearts that we're going to get a less motivated DeAndre Jordan than what we saw last year with the Knicks. I really I, I think I think he knows what the deal is. I think he knows why he came here and what his role on this team is. Well, I am a little worried about is he losing something age-wise. Oh, I, I mean, and that's not uh, motivation. That's another aspect of Jordan's game that went backwards well, last it, year. I mean, that that very well could be the case, but but what I'm saying is I think the effort is still going to be there. It better be. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be Lob City, Clippers, DeAndre no. Jordan. Right. It's still going to be a guy that's, like we talked about on this podcast before, going, to, oh, going up against Joel Embiid, somebody that's got some girth and some physical right. size that can like put that's a body he, on him and not get uh, just kind of... Uh, bullied and embarrassed in the past. Yeah, I think Rhodey can take a big step defensively, too. And look, I don't want to ignore the Rodion's Karuch situation, which is at some point, if facts come out that what he's accused of doing is true, this guy may not be on the roster. Now, right now, the Nets have taken the approach of uh, we're, not that we're defending him, but we're going to wait for the truth to come out. We don't really know. <laughs> right. It always puts teams in a tough situation because Sean Marks doesn't know what actually happened. So you don't want to call a guy guilty before he's guilty. You also don't want to blindly defend somebody that may have done something seriously wrong. So for the sake of this podcast, we're just talking about him as a basketball player, assuming he's there. You never know what will happen. Wilson Chandler got suspended for PED use. Who saw that coming? How about the addition of Garrett Temple and Wilson Chandler? We'll get to Musa as well. But those are the -the under-the-radar additions that obviously aren't talked about as much because of the star power. But how about Chandler and Garrett Temple on this team? See to me, this team last this team the this season's Nets are more they are deeper than last year's version of the Nets, and I and it starts with signings like a Garrett Temple. He adds an, he adds that bench presence to this team, and I I remember when they signed him and I said, oh, you know what? That means Damari Carroll is is gone, like right. he's not coming back. And Damari Carroll's getting older; he's not going to be as good as he was last year. The Nets' depth on their bench, to me, is a strength. And it, we saw it against the Lakers when uh, out in China. Like You saw guys like Garrett Temple come in. He can knock down an outside shot. He David Nwaba. David Nwaba. He he's going to play be, a lot. He's going to play a lot. No Kenny's going to like him yep. because he is, the t- he is, he is a hard-working defensive player that can hit threes. He's yes. like tra- he's he's the better version of Travion Graham right. in coach's eyes. No, that's a good, that's so a I think good comparison. I think he's going to get a ton of minutes yeah, for this team. Yeah, because the tough thing, and look, we all love the NBA, and we try to watch games that are outside of the Nets and the Knicks, but it's very difficult to have these firm opinions on guys that we're seeing for eight minutes at a time when our team plays them, and outside of that, it's tough to watch them. So guys like Garrett Temple and David Nawaba, I've just kind of read about and like to hear from fans of 
teams that those guys play for. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I heard about Nawaba with Chicago is the guy plays at 190%. Right. You just know Kenny's going to love that. You exactly. just know. No, it's his, yeah, He's a good deal. perimeter defender. Yep. I mean, he could hit threes, like Mike said. Right. Um, and you know what? One of, uh, one of actually – uh, Bill Ryder's producer, Stu, is a Laker fan. Nawaba spent some time with the Lakers, and he liked him. You know, he's a, he's a tough he's a tough player. So, mm-hmm. I mean. The, the thing that's going to be interesting, though, and forget Chandler, obviously, because he's suspended, is Kenny's going to have a rotation. And that rotation is not going to be, you know, 12 guys playing. So, who gets the minutes? I mean, we know when Kyrie's healthy. You know Kyrie, Dinwiddie, Lavert, Harris, Prince, Allen, DeAndre, Rody, that's eight. Temple is nine. Okay? Now you've got Nawaba, and you've got Musa, potentially. I don't think Claxton's going to play a lot. As impressed as I've been with him, he's a Long Island net. Yeah, I would would agree. And I think Theo's minutes are going to mostly come on the nights where Kyrie doesn't play. Or if someone else gets hurt, obviously it's the NBA. Guys are going to get hurt. Um but it'll be interesting to see how Kenny allots these minutes. And a lot of this season is going to be about figuring things out. Like, I'm really curious to see Kyrie, Dinwiddie, Levert on the floor at the same time. Yeah, I was thinking about that actually well, on my drive in this morning at two, 3 a.m. That's what you're thinking my, about? Uh, there was one of the uh, other stuff, too. Hey, last year, okay, and I remember during the playoffs, because even Joe, who's just walked in, said this. Boy, when you guys have Levert and Russell and Dinwiddie on the floor, that's their best rotation. And I remember saying he never used it during the regular season because freaking Levert was hurt. Then did what he got hurt. Yeah. Didn't have a lot of experience together. In the playoffs, Kenny finally had to go to it. And he did. And they gave the Sixers fits, especially no. in that game one. I mean, they could not guard them. I mean, they were blowing by him left and right. It was a major problem for the Sixers. They made their adjustments and won the series. Yeah, but that's how they're going to. They crushed him with that play. That's how they're going to. I don't want to even get to this point. That's how they got to beat Philadelphia. Be stopping playmakers like that, and that's why they've got to use those guys a lot. They've got not not quite yet. They got to use those guys a lot early in the season to get them that experience together. They weren't able to do that last year because Levert missed a big bulk of the year, and Dinwiddie had the freaking thumb issue where he missed whatever it was a month and a half. And look, you can't predict injuries, but early in the season. Kenny's got to get these guys together. And it may be clunky at times. Well, then if you were to have those three and let's say Jordan at the five, do you get worried then about putting Tori and Prince at the four? Because you are you are being exposed depends. With, your, with your size. You got to match up. Depends what you're seeing. True. That's going to be the big key. It depends what you're looking at. But all these combinations have to make Kenny just very excited. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> more fun than last year when he was I mean, forget searching. It. Forget about Kenny. What about me? I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. I'm excited to see it all unfold. I mean, you got to remember, too, that uh, we were talking the other day. Like, uh, Levert last year was our all-star. It wasn't, right. it wasn't until he got I, hurt that D'Angelo Russell took that next step. I cannot wait to see a healthy Karis Levert. Oh, my God. I am so excited for people Let's to go. see him. Like, I know Bradley Beal just signed this extension, which doesn't mean anything as far as, like, them not trading him. And there was those wacko, weirdo Wizards rumors. I want. I, I am so in on Levert being a. Uh, I don't want to say a star, but an all star in this league. Well, somebody that's somebody that's not not a Kevin Durant or a Kyrie, but he's going to be just a staple of the net. Well, I think that most of us agree, not just locally as Net fans, but nationally, that the ultimate key to how good the Brooklyn Nets are, besides the obvious, like you can't lose everybody to injury, yeah, of course. is Kyrie Levert taking that next step. And what was so frustrating and also rewarding from last year mm. is we got glimpses. 
The season started, and Karis LeVert was the Brooklyn Nets best player. He's the one who you wanted the ball in the hands of at the end of games, as we saw against the Knicks on opening night. We saw numerous times the the Nuggets as well. That's the guy. He's the guy. And, by the way, locked down defensively. Let's not ignore that. You also want him defending the guy who's got the ball in his hands down the stretch of games. He gets hurt. Now, look. The Nets escaped it, all right? We were all devastated when he went down with that injury. It was on Monday night. I think the Giants were playing at the time. I think there was a football game going on at the I same time. I don't remember time. that, but anyway, yeah. Anyhow. Um, I remember the injury. Well, of course. <laughs> I just remember that I knew the next day I couldn't talk that much about it because there was a football game. Mm. But he came back. And when he came back, yes, he wasn't the same guy, but you saw little tiny bitsy glimpses of Karis LeVert mm-hmm. defensively right out of the gate. I think his first game back, he had like three steals. The explosiveness, but he couldn't finish at the rim. In that series against Philadelphia, oh, my God. He came back. He came back. He was their best player. He closed the season as their best player. And I'm not doing that to knock D'Angelo. D'Angelo was awesome. I love D'Angelo. We all love D'Angelo. D'Angelo, if you're listening, you're great. Levert was their best player by the end of the year. Oh, by far. Yeah, I I remember the Sixers game one. He had one play where he drove to the paint, and he had this two-handed dunk, and you saw the explosiveness from him. And it was like, ooh, he got to the basket. He was quick. And then game three in Brooklyn when they lost, he carried them in that third quarter and made it like a semi-interesting game late. Yep, Uh, He was fantastic for them. You said it brilliantly there, Evan. It was disappointing and rewarding all at the same time with Karis LeVert. And I'm ready for this season to just be rewarding. I'm so ready for it with him. the, The lack of respect that LeVert gets around the league, this is time... This is this is the time for people to realize who he is, because did you see that proposed uh, hypothetical trade between us and the Wizards by Bleacher Report? Yeah, it was awful. Yeah, but uh, hold on. What was but, in the deal? But, uh, but Levert, Philly, Philly, Philly. It got me <laughs> gives mad. a crap what Bleacher Report concocts as a fake trade well, because it got me mad. But look, the Bradley Beal, the trade stuff, all of that. Here's the way I look at trade stuff. And before I give you my thoughts on trade stuff, you know, the NFL on CBS is back. It's in full swing. The football season is here. And you can stream your local game live every Sunday with CBS All Access. It's available across all of your favorite devices. Go to cbs.com slash Evan to get a free one-week trial of CBS All Access. cbs.com slash Evan to get a free one-week trial of CBS All Access. For the Nets, they're done making trades. Okay, this well, they better is. Be done making trades. I'm, 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 I'm all in on what the roster is. Okay, right now. they done make it. This is their roster. Could they make a tweak at the trade deadline to add maybe another four? Sure. Okay, if the Knicks want to hand us a guy like Taj Gibson, okay, fine, he's useful. They want to hand us one of their one of their fours. We'll take them. Let's okay? get Miritich and Portis on our team <laughs> and just have them fight. Okay, that's a good idea. Deals like that, of course, could happen. Okay, small little deals. At the I end, consider Levert untouchable. Okay, I'm going to get to that. Okay, I want you All to right, calm right, down. Right, just take a big down. deep breath. Okay, I'll turn the mic off for a second. If this season goes haywire, if Levert can't stay healthy or he doesn't take that step, obviously Sean Marks is going to look at his roster and say, "Okay, what are my options?" Maybe not as much this year. Maybe it's the year after. But right now, this is the roster. So what's happening right now in NBA media, and luckily it's over because Beal signed the extension, is that there's no other juicy rumors left. Durant left. Kawhi left. You know, stop talking about Giannis. There's nothing there. Mm. So they look at the one star that could be moved, and I guess Chris Paul's one of them, but luckily we don't have to hear rumors about that. And, oh, what, what, what can they do for Beal? Beal, 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 Beal. Look, Bradley Beal's a tremendous player. I'd love to have of him course, on my team. Of course he is. 
But you're getting angry about something that was never realistic. Well, the Nets were not trading what was proposed in that deal. It was the whole team outside of Kyrie and well, Durant, basically. I, I was angry about it because our players aren't getting the respect that they deserve. That's passion, Evan. I'm well, on Team Billy. What? <laughs> no, no. I love your passion, Billy, but it's not worth getting upset about. All right, this just, is the roster. Oh, okay. No, listen, listen. In in a realistic in a realistic world which we live in, I totally get it that this is our roster and Trump Marks isn't going to make any trades. But having said that, I I just need to point out that they put in Jared Allen, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Levert. Picks. No, I know. All for Bradley Beal. That is atrocious. I laughed at it when I saw it. Oh yeah, that's my a bad God. trade. It was, I didn't thank turn you. the mic off again. <laughs> it was dumb, but I think this is a season for us, and yeah. not just us, but guys in the NBA, gals in the NBA too, to not concoct or think about landscape changing trades. The NBA is settled now for a couple of years. In a couple of years, it'll get all crazy again, but for now, things are settled, and I think we just have to accept that. Are you going to address the uh, the big one? Am I going to address the big one? Yeah. What is the big one? The Kevin Durant. Who? Kevin Durant. <laughs> what about him? If he, uh, I don't know, could play. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because if you've now been listening to this podcast for 30 minutes, 35 minutes, however long we've been on, we have barely mentioned his name. Okay? I think his name was mentioned at the beginning concerning free agency. Um, I said this in late June as I came around to the idea of signing an injured Kevin Durant because when Kevin first got hurt, I was against it. Mm -hmm. And I think you guys saw it firsthand. Every day I would come in and say, okay, I'm a little bit warmer on it, a little bit warmer on it a week before I was all in. I was like, all right, let's just do it. This is your way to win a championship. But the one thing I promised you guys, and I've said this on the air, is I just don't want to think about him. I don't. He's not there right. I get he's at practice. I get he's – you know, maybe influential with the coaching staff and yelling at players and right. giving good advice. I'm not trying to de- kind of ignore what he's doing for the team. But as a fan, opening night, I'll give him a big hand. I will. When they announce him, I'll give him a big hand. I don't want to think about him. And I got to tell you, the more I think about it, I am going to be a mess if he comes back. I'm not saying he shouldn't come back because if the doctors clear him, and Marks feels good and Durant feels good. I get it. What are you going to tell him if he's 100%? Don't play. But I am going to be, and I think you guys are too, going to be a wreck if this guy walks through that door knowing, boy, it wasn't that long ago he just had a major injury and surgery. So you, what do you mean by that? Just anxious, nervous that he's going to get hurt at any second? Yeah. happen again. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I can, What are you going to do? I can agree with that. But I mean, he's back. He's back. you got to go with it. But if he's clear, if he's clear to play... And the doctors clear him, like you said, Barks, Atkinson, everybody himself. If it's all, if if you know, if it's all ready to go, I say go for it. I'm convinced it's one big act by because the he, Nets. Because you know why? Because he gets paid to play basketball, and if he's if he's cleared to play basketball, look, Bill, I get it. I said that already. If the doctors clear him and Marks feel, if everybody feels good, what the hell am I supposed to say? The guy can't come back. I just think that you got to be patient with this. I have the expectation now that he is not playing this season. That is in my brain. I When I talk about net expectations or where I think this team is going to go or if they can challenge in the East, I think about it under the premise that he is not playing. And I'm okay with that. I really am. I look at next year as, okay, Durant's going to come back. And, yeah, the expectations are going to be there that they better win. And they're, and they're completely downplaying everything with him as they should. It's the right move. He's, he's not playing this year. His goal is to get better, is to – 
rehab and to be the best player Kevin Durant can be. We'll put him back in when he's comfortable, when he's ready. And you think it's an act? I, I don't. Uh, let me let me put it this way: It's not an act. They're being honest, but they believe he's coming back. The, I think de- I think deep in their hearts, they're like, "We're going to have this guy." What when date? And I know you probably don't have the schedule in front of you to recognize if the Nets even play that night, so we'll let that slide. When do you think he plays? Like seventy games into the season. You so you think he's coming back with twelve games left? Something in the around season. there, yeah. Okay. I think he's back towards the the tail end of the Go year. Go ahead. Having said everything I just said. It hurts me to say this, but if 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 you really want my honest, my honest opinion, no, I want you to lie. All right, I'm kidding. Well, of course, uh, on, uh, to be completely honest with you, I don't think he plays this year at all. Really, I don't think you so. do not. No, I don't see it. You think there's a setback, or you think they just say, "Look, he's not ready. We're no, going to wait till next year." I don't year. think there's a setback at all, because because uh, honestly, everything everything we read and everything we hear is that he's progressing do, well. Do you think? And this is a very interesting question for you as fans, for us as fans, and obviously for the Nets. Does how they're performing as a team impact the decision? Like, for example, if they end up being three games above 500, battling in the 7-8 range, do you say, ah, screw it, don't bring them back. What are we doing here? As compared to, hey, they're locked in as the three seed or the four seed. They're going to have home court in the first round. Does that make you say, oh, definitely bring them back? Because, hey, we've got a shot. Does team performance impact that decision? Yes. Yeah. I agree with Mike. It shouldn't. But, but, it I, will. but I think the human nature in everybody is it will. And I don't think it's going to be the same extent as it was in Golden State. Like, don't get me wrong. We need you, Kevin. We need you, Kevin. If he's not at that, if he's at that point, no shot. But if they're if they're playing that well, they're a three seed, they're in the mix. You're thinking, oh, we're a three seed, but we add Kevin Durant, top 10 player in the history of the sport. What can happen? I think human nature takes over, and that does impact them. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. You? It's tough because I'm still trying to figure out these guys. And I and I love Sean Marks, obviously. How can you not? The guy's done a remarkable job. But I'm still trying to figure a lot of things out about them and Kenny because this is different for them. Now, I'm going to give them a compliment on one thing I'm very impressed by and sort of surprised about, and that's Carmelo Anthony. And the reason I say that mm. is they are not bowing down to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Now, you could argue, well, what about DeAndre Jordan? I think they needed DeAndre Jordan, and I think they knew that. Different. I think it's different. I don't think they're going to let these guys dictate the roster. And we're going to see if they're going to dictate. Now, I know Sean has said, look, ultimately it's up to Kevin Durant. Right. Well, we're going to find out. I mean, Kyrie Irving said in the opening press conference, I'm going to be tough on letting him come back. If you really believe that, how could he come back in the middle of March? How could he come back? What do I think is going to happen? I kind of have a feeling he's going to come back. I do. Because I I have a feeling. I didn't say I want it to no, happen. No, no, no but, uh, but I thought all along that you, you had thought that he was not going to come back. No, no. I've said to you I don't want to think about him, and I'm still not thinking about him. We're going to make our predictions for this season. I'm not making them with Kevin Durant in mind, but just trying to figure out what Marks is going to do and what Durant's going to want to do. I think that they are being coy about this whole thing, and I think that they, they expect him to come back. And, and it's going to be exciting. I don't want you to think I'm going to be all poo-poo. And, of course, no, it's no, going to be one of the not. biggest deals ever for the franchise. But if you're asking me right now, gun to my head, I would say, yeah. I think I think he's going to show up. I don't know. If I had to go with a win, I'm probably going to go closer to April. I think it may be with three or four games left in the low. season. Yeah. 
See, I think if he does come back, you need a couple more games in three or four to just give him a little more of a comfort level to get involved in the, even if it's like 20 minutes a game, 18 minutes a game, coming back for three regular season games and then throwing you in the playoffs. Well, I at think that, I, almost at that point, it's like, let's just, let's just call it a year. Could you, would it surprise you if they brought him back and right out of the gate, they even said he's coming off the bench, right? And he's playing no more than 15 minutes. He's just going to be out there, give him a little bit of a spark, kind of work his way back. Is that would that stun you, or do you think if he comes back, it's balls to the wall? No, guys playing he, 30 minutes, 35 if, minutes. If he came back, it would be the scenario you laid out there. Okay. It would definitely just be 15, 20 minutes. They're not throwing him out there for 37 minutes. All right, go get us a win here in Chicago. Yeah, but do you realize how much that would elevate the team? I understand. To have him on the floor? Well, I think that's why it's important that he's around the team, and I, I, I like that. I like that I see him at practices, and he's you know yelling at teammates. He's involved, and there's camaraderie. Mark's even said he took them all out for dinner or whatever the hell he did. It's, it's kind of like what you said about the uh, the Nets-Bulls series back in 2013 mm-hmm. when when uh, when Derrick Rose was out, yes. how, how you thought that Derrick Rose should just you know play five minutes. That is right, yes. You know, it's something Boy, similar. Well, you listened. I'm impressed, Billy. I did. I do, I do listen, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Because yeah, we weren't friends back then. <laughs> <laughs> So now you don't listen, now that we're buddies. No, I, I, do, I, no, I do listen. No, I did say that. I thought it would have added a spark just to just jog on the court for game six or seven. Just walk out there and, the, you know, in Chicago, the crowd would go nuts. And certainly the teammates would almost be inspired. Like, oh, my God, this is our Willis Reed kind of moment. Right, exactly. He and never did that, by the now, way. Now, again, like if, if the situation uh, presents itself that we're all talking about here, we're going to need, you know, he, obviously it's going to be more than that. Yeah. You know, Durant, you know, he's going to have more of an impact. Yeah, and I don't think they would do it for five minutes. I mean, I think right. it could be just a limited roll off the bench. Yeah, he's on a uh, minutes restriction. We're playing him three minutes. <laughs> hey, he's good enough. Okay. He, he can produce in those three minutes. Seven points and three rebounds. Not All right. bad. These are two separate questions. It's not a prediction. So we're not doing the prediction game. It's what you need from this season for it to be a success. Okay. This team won 42 games last year. It got the sixth seed. It was stunning to all of us, okay? None of us re- – I, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you did predict the playoffs. I don't remember if you did, Billy. No. I apologize. No, I did not. Did. Okay, good. Do you remember? I don't uh, none of us. We all were in, the like, the mid-30s. Yeah, I think we're in that same range. And you could go back to the archives if you really want to get a kick out of yeah, it. Or, the downloads. It would help the downloads. Or go to the one we did after they lost another brutal game and we started talking about tanking. <laughs> yeah, right. Go to that one. Zion. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. I think that was in Dece- early December or late November, whatever it was. Mm. What do you need to have happen record-wise, playoff-wise, for this to be a good season? Second round. I need a second round from this team. I want to be in the second round. But more than that, I need to see, I need to see the chemistry and camaraderie are still there. And that's a big deal for me. I want to see that this team cares about each other, works well together, and has the foundation for that when Kevin Durant is back, it's a championship level team. So you, and you, so you, you want to see the dancing on the benches? And I need to see. Like that. Yes, that, I, 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 I agree. And, may, I, and maybe I'm a sucker for that. And maybe I won't care if they're winning games. And you know what? Who cares if there's a little tension here and there? But I need to see that the, I need to see that the culture is there. That when Durant comes back, it's a title contending team. No, I, and if I, that means second round, first round, third round, you, whatever. Now, I understand not thinking this matters. I don't know why I feel that this actually does matter, a win total in the regular season, because the truth is if you go 40 and 42 and get to the second round, that's a better year than 50 wins but losing in the first round. I get that. But we're, they we're upset about to, the Bucks. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> we're about to sit through a regular season. What is the win total you need to see to say, okay, good win total, I like that? 
That's good. I think 50 is healthy. 50. I know that the Vegas line is like 42 wow. or 43. But so if I they think win 50, 47 games, you're disappointed. I'll be, I don't know. I won't be disappointed, no. Well, that's what I'm asking. But I mean, yeah, it's such a, yeah, will I be disappointed what because I didn't do you guess want? right? No, it's not about guessing right. It's I a mean, win I total just, well, you yeah, need around, to get to. Around 50 wins. It all, what seed do you need? I need them to have home court. Okay. Billy? Uh, I don't I don't want to, you know, sound like I'm mimicking Mike here, but I completely agree with you. I get I, it. I need 50. Gotta get 50. You need 50. Gotta get 50. 46, you're Gotta pissed. Get 49, I'm pissed. <laughs> so, 49, Billy's I going need, on a rager. I need, I need a top four seed. Right. And I need second round. And I need to beat the Celtics in that round. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't I mean. I don't in which round? round? In the second round? I don't know. Round? Just be better than Boston. Uh, just be better than them. That's what I need. All right. How about you, Evan? Uh, let's start. We'll work backwards. I got to get to the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, I, it just it starts there. You always are looking to to make a jump. Okay, you always want to make a little bit of a jump, and and just to have a little perspective about our franchise's history. Just eliminating the ABA for a second, the glory days of the New York Nets. They've had one fifty win season. One. Oh, that's crazy. That's it. Fifty two and thirty in 02, the first year of the Jason Kidd era. Obviously, they won more than 50 games in the ABA. But, again, I'm looking just at the NBA. They won 49 a bunch of times, including in Brooklyn, the 2013 yes. season, the first year in Brooklyn. So, 50 is an incredible benchmark for this franchise. I'd love it. I don't need 50. I need 47, 48. Okay. That's the number I'd feel good about. Home court, completely agree. I think once you get in the battle, though, you want more. You want a three. You want, God forbid, a two. But I, I think that'll be tough to get. But I got to have the second round of the playoffs. Look. They end up going 41 and 41, but they get us the second round of the playoffs. That final result is the same. That's really what matters. That's how you're judging a team. But as we prepare to sit through a very long regular season, I want a challenge for 50 wins. I want a challenge for the three or four seed. I think it's going to be, I, look, I think the Bucs are the best team in the East. They, they're not getting the one seed. Philadelphia's got questions. They've got adjustments to make. I think they're very good. I think they're better than the Nets as of now without Kevin Durant, but you never know. Like, the Sixers winning 51 games would not stun me. Of course. Okay? So, if the Nets win 48, they're in a race with them for the two seed. But the second round of the playoffs is a must. I am still pissed about what happened last year in the first round. And I know a lot of people look at me and say, why are you pissed? They lost to a better team. Uh, they added Durant and Kyrie and all that. I'm pissed because how it happened. They won game one in Philly. They were there in game two, and our brilliant coach didn't call a timeout as the Sixers were <laughs> yeah. destroying them That's to start the second half. While the three of us made the trek down to Philadelphia. That's right. Game. That's right. And that game that game four. Yeah. Oh, oh God. I mean, the whole series. And then, obviously, no showing game five, getting absolutely destroyed. Hey, Jimmy Butler's gone. so That's true. That's a good thing. These playoff games stick with you is the bottom line. They do. So, I think we're all on the same page at minimum the second round of the playoffs. Do the expectations change if Durant shows up? If Kev comes back, I call him Kev, if he comes back <laughs> in the middle of March, right? Comes back. He plays for, you know, a little less than a month. Do those, do, do, does that bar change, or are you still good with this being a, hey, this is a different kind of year, it's year one, he didn't play the full year? Does the bar change? It does. It really? just has to. To what? The championship? It just ha it has to go to the next round. It, it Conference finals. It has to, it has to change. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's Kevin gotta, Durant. You got to give me conference finals at that point. Wow. And you got to give me a challenging conference finals. Wow. I, I don't know if it's, going back to the first question, has it sunk in yet? I don't know if it leads back to that. Maybe because it hasn't sunk in yet. I have a tough time raising the bar that high without thinking he's going to play this season until the very end. So I, that's where I will differ with you. The year after, different animal. Now we're not talking about conference finals. We're talking about a trophy. 
Okay, we're talking about the NBA freaking championship. We're talking about a parade down Flatbush. But for this season, even with his return, I don't think I can raise the bar that much higher. I'm looking forward to doing that podcast with you a year from (laughs) from now. We're talking about going for a title. That'll be fun. You guys are the best. I know. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Thank you for having us. We'll do me. some more roundtables as the season rolls on. That was Billy G. That was Mike Biseglia, the Nets roundtable season preview discussion. We've got a Yankee and Met offseason preview coming up on the Evan Roberts podcast and some instant reactions sprinkled throughout. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts podcast.